Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is Matt. And we're here with another great album for you. Thanks for tuning in. You may be wondering where our name comes from. It is an honor and a reference to the band R.E.M., Matt and I's favorite. And you may know that from listening to the first episode uh, in which we covered R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People. But they have a song on their album document called Finest Work Song. And we thought, what better way to honor our heroes than by, by stealing their name <laughs> yeah, that's of their right. song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a thriller of an album for you. I uh, see what you did there. Yeah, they're about to see what I did there. Thriller, of course, the best-selling album of all time, but not in the United States. Nope. Why is that? Uh, it almost pains me to, to explain it. The Eagles' greatest hits, the number one selling album in the United States. That shouldn't count. It really shouldn't. First, because it's the Eagles. Second, it's their greatest hits. Yeah, it's a compilation. That's like saying, what's the greatest NBA team of all time? The 96 Bulls or an all-star team that I make up right. of players from throughout the ages that isn't realistic. The same as saying, like, Legend is by far Bob Marley's greatest album. Yeah, there definitely needs to be an asterisk next to it that says, the Eagles suck. <laughs> Are you an Eagles fan? Not particularly. I am one of those people who bought that album. But hey, I'm not the only one, obviously. That's right. It's, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. I, I do have an appreciation for some of the early Eagle stuff, mm-hmm. the more you know, country, you know, uh, Southern California tinged Eagles. But yeah, the, the later Eagle stuff just grinds my gears. I think my issue with them is not only the smug harmonies. There's something about their harmonies that are so smug. Smug harmonies. I've never heard that. Yeah. It's the idea that they came together just to be famous. Yeah. And I watched the documentary, or at least half of it, all that I could swallow. And in the first like 10 minutes, it was clear that they were just all about themselves and being famous. You know, contrast that with a band like R.E.M. that we love, hometown boys from Athens, Georgia, who are all friends. It's all about the art. It's not about the money. Should we go to a commercial break now? (laughs) But, you know, I'm sure I had some tape or album by them. I, I got into Hotel California. Every eighth grader goes through some phase of The Doors mm-hmm. and Bob Marley and mm-hmm. Hotel California. And you, you, you deconstruct what Hotel California means and, oh, they're singing about hell. Yeah, I mean, we all went through that. Yeah. But today we're going to talk about an artist who's not at all about the money, but is only about the music. <laughs> <laughs> Thriller. The best-selling album worldwide. 66 million copies. Is that right? And counting. This album is just insane. Michael Jackson had been moving away from the Jackson 5, doing stuff with his brothers, but it was a more grown-up R&B, disco-esque approach to music. And then his own first album, Off the Wall. Only 20 million copies sold. Yeah, the funny thing is, is if Thriller had never come out, we could probably be doing an off-the-wall yeah, episode. It's a wonderful album. It lives in the shadow of Thriller, mm-hmm. which is too bad. So it's been a while since Thriller came out, Matt. What are your memories of Thriller? So 1982, when Thriller came out, um, I was seven years old, living in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Looking back at that point in time, your memories are more of like a patchwork quilt than video stream memory, if you will. But every day after school, me and my buddy, a couple houses over, Mac Nelson, we would play soccer every day, I mean, without fail. But what I remember about the Thriller video is 
we put the soccer ball down and went inside to watch this video. MTV, which was still new even at that point, mm-hmm. and sort of finding its way, it was sort of like early ESPN where they could do what they wanted. Every hour at the top of the hour, you knew Thriller was going to play in its entirety. And, and so I, what, I, what I remember is making sure that we were in front of the TV, you know, watching the Thriller video. The first time you remember? I don't remember the first time, but I remember it being an event and right. it being like a, a cultural phenomenon, which is weird because now my son is the same age I was when Thriller came out. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty dark video. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's a cultish and it's you know, werewolves and it's creepy. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's campy, but it's, it's, there's some dark overtones to it. So it probably explains why I had nightmares for, for years right. as, as, a, as a young kid. My parents allowing us to watch you know, the Thriller video over and over all the time. But uh, yeah, I remember that, you know, and, and just the, the pop culture aspect of this album. Other than maybe, you know, Madonna's Like a Virgin look, I can't think of another time where an artist has inspired copycat fashion. I mean, I, I can remember going into to the mall mm-hmm. and there were the leather Michael Jackson jackets. Yeah. And you could buy one sequin glove and you, you, it was like a, a thing to try and show your friends at school that you knew how to do the moon, moonwalk. Right. I mean, just like all these little touchstones of, of pop culture spawned from this one album and it was just such a huge phenomenon. And one slight tangent, you know, I mentioned my friend Mac. Mm-hmm. Now you can go watch him with the band Mac and Juice. They play um, Michael Jackson covers. They do. <laughs> uh, they 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 play all over the southeast. So if you ever get a chance to go watch Mac and Juice, go check them out. So that but that's my that's my reminiscing on Thriller. Yeah, like you said, kids everywhere doing the moonwalk. At least a few years ago, kids everywhere just doing the dab. Yeah, or the floss. Yeah, that's right. Now it's the floss. <laughs> What about you? What's your what's your thriller memory? So my memory of thriller dates back to, like you said, 1982. So my friends and I, we we're just, you know, like most teenagers, just having a good, friendly poker game. My little brother at the time was uh, hanging out with us, and we made him go get us a pizza. <laughs> and he's kind of a punk. As you'll find out, he was a real punk. But on his way back, he hears something in the shed. And, and I kept telling him, there's just raccoons in there. Stop leaving the door open. Man, what a moron. Instead of like calling animal control, he goes and takes candy and makes a trail to our house. So he lures it into the house and, and befriends this thing, right? The next day, he, he plays sick. And my mom buys it. And I'm like, Mom, there's a raccoon in his closet. And she's like, no, he's really sick. You know how the youngest... Always get they get away with murder. Yeah. But I thought you had a younger sister too. Yeah, I do. Yeah. She wasn't in school yet, so she didn't have to play sick. She just got caught up into this mess. So then, you know, and he keeps telling me, no, it's an alien from, and I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I've had enough of it. I call animal control, you know, and animal control in our area was like really intense. (laughs) Cause they came in like all these vans and suits and submachine guns. Uh, It was it was a little bit much. Yeah. And this raccoon is like overgrown, bald. It doesn't even look like a raccoon, to be honest. Yeah. It was really, really gross. On Halloween, he takes it out with us. What a loser. Let the raccoon go. Just be a normal kid, you know. 
but he puts it in his bike and, and hides it from the animal control. And these guys work overtime, man. I mean, <laughs> Halloween, they didn't care. They were here trying to get this raccoon. I don't know if it was the end of the month. They had to meet their quota, you know, like <laughs> state troopers. The, the raccoon quota? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they got a glimpse of this big bald thing and it was like their Bigfoot. <laughs> Anyway, so then we're riding our bikes, and he told me that we were taking the raccoon to, to let it go. And so that's when I got on his side, because I have to put it into the saga and get my life back. I've got poker games to play. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're riding along, and the, you know, the animal control's chasing us, and it was pretty intense. I don't know if, like, as a kid riding BMX bikes, like, mm-hmm. you know, you used to, like, jump off curbs and oh, everything. Yeah. Man, there was this really sweet jump <laughs> in my neighborhood. Man, we jumped, and I swear, it was like we were flying. Man. It was the sickest jump, you know? Anyway, I don't remember what happened after that. Like, you know, we got to the woods and let it go or something like that. When we got back home, my mom was like, hey, have you heard of this Michael Jackson album, Thriller? And that's my memory is related to this raccoon. Man, that is an intense animal control story. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into this. There's nine songs on this album. They get right into it. The first track is Want to Be Starting Something. perfect track to start this album out on and on any other album this would probably be like one of the signature hits and it was a hit but as you'll see in here shortly i mean with so many other monster hits on this album it's weird to think that this is kind of an overshadowed song because yeah. it's such a good dance song listeners couldn't see it but we're in here dancing to the song oh yeah i mean it got such a great vibe to it I think he wrote this because of all the, the press and dealing with people just wanting to take something and blow it up mm-hmm. and, uh, and gossip about things. I'm not sure what he meant when he gets to the part where he says, you're a vegetable. <laughs> I was a kid in the early 80s, right. but I don't remember that being like an insult. I remember thinking like, is he saying vegetable? Because it was like, vegetable. Right, right. <laughs> the way he sings it. So maybe he's not really saying vegetable, but he says vegetable multiple times. Yes. Yeah. The end with Mama Say, Mama Sa, Mama Kusa. You can't not sing that. Oh, yeah. Want to be starting something? Want to be starting this album? (laughs) All right, next is Baby Be Mine, which is one of the two songs that was not released as a single. And so why did they put it second? I don't know why they put it on the album at all, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You might be telling us which song you might drop, but don't tell us yet. I'm not giving it away. Maybe it's just how big all the singles were from this album. Right. Nine songs on the album, seven singles, which is just ridiculous. Baby Be Mine was a song that just didn't... I I didn't remember that one. Like, that wasn't one that I... It didn't come back to me like, oh, yeah, now I remember that one. Yeah. It's just overshadowed by... Mm -hmm. Every other song on this album, which seven hits. Right. That's incredible. Seven top 10 hits. Yeah. Seven top 10 hits on one album. This song for me, the most uncomfortable key change in music. Okay. We've got to hear this. Yeah. 
it's going along nice. Yeah. You've gotten used to the groove throughout yep. the song, and then this happens. Yikes. Oh, Why? It's so uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's cringeworthy. And it's so unfortunate because Michael Jackson, in my opinion, is the owner of the greatest key change in music history, which is in Man in the Mirror. That's the best key change. But here, it makes me think that the keyboardist went there <laughs> and then everybody else had to follow and Michael Jackson just kept singing. It's the worst. Speaking of the worst, the next <laughs> song on the album was the first single released. And that is, of course, The Girl Is Mine with X yet forever Beatle, Paul McCartney. Cash in that paycheck. Oh my gosh. Why would they release this as a first song off the album? When you have beat it. Yeah. Billy uh, Jean. Billy Jean. Thriller, starting something. Human, every other song. <laughs> we'll list every other song. You know, I think the, the build-up to this album, you mentioned like the hype and just the expectations. There, there's something to be said for lumping your name in with a Beatle. That's true. That has to be it. If it wasn't a duet with Paul McCartney. I mean, the song is... It hadn't even been two years yeah. when they recorded this that John Lennon had been shot. And then right. Paul's just off. Maybe he was doubling down on his own cheesy pop image at this point and Lennon was always talking about paul's you know sappy ballads right and i could see him from his grave saying michael i could have told you this would happen <laughs> right so yeah so maybe maybe this was mccartney's way of just from the you know almost backlash of of you know Lennon being killed and paul's sappiness left and he's like well you ain't seen nothing yet that's right i'm, go I'm going all in <laughs> which when we get to the beatles I look forward to that because I disagree with the whole Paul Sappy ballad. Lennon's the hard rocker thing. I'm with you. And on I look that. forward to yeah. we can make that case easily. I think. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite part of this song, Matt? The rap at the end, which is, uh, it's it's also cringeworthy. We can't not. Are they making it up as they go along? <laughs> oh. Oh. oh my goodness. What girl are they fighting over where he's Michael Jackson's like twenty three and Paul McCartney's <laughs> like forty? Is Paul saying, This is my daughter, this girl is fine. <laughs> You stay away from Stella McCartney. <laughs> is that her six. name? Six. Oh. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're three songs in. We've ripped on two of them. We're getting the chaff out of the way. Yeah, that's right. Because 
after this is oh boy oh boy I wonder if Michael insisted on being the one to like open the door and all that <laughs> who did the wolf it's just sound effects at the beginning maybe they got Michael Winslow from Police Academy to come in <laughs> <laughs> and he's all thriller he's doing the wolf <laughs> and the door right just all the, the and he kept going he's like you guys i could do, I, a, I could do uh, a car engine yeah that's right what else does he do in that movie <laughs> you want a bus backfiring you want a blender <laughs> you, want do, you want me to do vincent price i can do vincent price <laughs> that's right it's not vincent price michael winslow <laughs> that's not paul mccartney either <laughs> michael winslow Hats off to you for being born in the exact right decade to be famous. <laughs> People wouldn't care anything about you now. And, and Michael Winslow, please tell us the whereabouts of Steve Gutenberg. We're worried. Are we worried about Steve? I'm, I'm worried about Steve. Yeah. I haven't heard from Steve in a while. <laughs> All right. Thriller, believe it or not, is the seventh single off the album that bears its name. <laughs> that, that is insane to think yeah. about. It, it was... What, what was it, December of 1983? Yeah. So that means they released all these singles in a year. Yeah. That year was owned by Michael Jackson. Or was it because Rolling Stone named the number one album that year to be... R.E.M.'s Murmur. That's right. Way to go, R.E.M. Full circle. This gives me even more respect for R.E.M., not Rolling Stone, right. but for um, tackling such a juggernaut. Right. I'm sure they... We're not trying to do that. We yeah, have recorded exactly. Murmur. Let's take down Thriller. My, you know, R.E.M., they were in the recording studio, and they were like, we need Paul McCartney. Oh, crap. Michael's already got him. <laughs> We've already talked about the video, but yeah. what about the song? What about the song itself? Uh, I mean, the, the song by itself tells the, the story. So you've got the, the great Vincent Price monologue towards the end, which... Apparently, he, he was paid $1,000 to do it. That's it? That's it. He did it in two takes. He was a friend of, like, Quincy Jones' wife or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, it's hard to separate the song from the video. That's uh, I true. Mean, I feel like they're, they're just so synonymous. From that video, I mean, it's it inspired. I mean, people even today still do, you know, the thriller dance. Right. You know, and with the kids, you know, 13 going on 30. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Garner, they're doing the thriller dance. Yeah. You know? When we were talking about the, the cultural phenomenons and the, the pop culture touchstones from this album, I mean, that's another one that carries on through today. So, yeah, just from this album, you've got the moonwalk, mm -hmm. the glove, the red sequined jacket from Thriller. You've got the thriller dance. Thriller dance. Yeah. The song by itself, aside from the hype and it being about, you know, monsters and having Vincent Price. I mean, it's a great song. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, the groove alone in this song is just incredible. Michael There's Michael Whitslow again. <laughs> They're like, okay, that's okay, enough. We gotta, we gotta, you can do a wolf. Yeah. We're, we're good. We got it. <laughs> Written by Rod Temperton. Oh, good old Rod the, the Bod. Rod the Bod. Rod the Bod. <laughs> Rod Temperton, you may not know that name. Yeah. I didn't know that name. Nor did I. Before digging into this album. But Rod Temperton is the one who wrote Thriller. He wrote Off the Wall. So he was already working with Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. What else did he write? 
and he wrote Rock With You, oh, which is a great that's song. That's a fantastic yeah. song. Where did this guy come from, though? You know, like, if you're just a songwriter, he's this Englishman. I didn't know he wrote this, but I remember this from, you know, slow dancing growing up. Always and forever. I thought this was like a Jodeci song or something. <laughs> yeah. Rod Temperton, he was a good songwriter, but he really nailed it as an artist and commercially by writing <laughs> Thriller. Right. But the first version was uh, called Starlight. Right. The chorus was Give Me Some Starlight, Starlight Sun. They felt that Starlight was not a strong album title and they right. wanted this to be like the album title. The album title. And so then Temperton's like, okay, okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to the drawing board. And he comes back with, a, how about Midnight Man? Ooh. <laughs> Sounds like an, a character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Midnight Man? Midnight Man. Yeah. Rod Temperton, hats off to you because you became extremely wealthy <laughs> in a matter of a year. Right. For the rest of your life. And Thriller was not the only song he wrote on this album. Correct? No, but that, that was, that, I think he wrote three, right? He I wrote so. He wrote lady whatever lady do your thing (laughs) (laughs) the lady in my life lady in my life life. that's the one i know he wrote that one okay yeah all right michael jackson thanks for scaring us with uh thriller the video i still have to keep a nightlight because of you michael jackson (laughs) your wife's like turn that off you can blame michael jackson for that (laughs) so being that this was 1982, Thriller would have been the last song on the first side of the album Thriller. That's right. So then you flip it over, and this is what hits you. That beginning is so cool. It's so good. That's Michael Winslow, like, good. Again, yeah. stuff it, Michael. I thought, thought you were gone. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm leaving. They're like, I heard him leave. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. All right. This is Michael Jackson's tough look. Yes. This video stands out too. And it featured actual real members of the Bloods and the Crips. For real? For real. Oh and, my um, gosh. The song, I guess, I was reading, he was inspired by you know, growing up in Gary, Indiana, and the Jackson boys would you know, occasionally look out their front door or the front window and see gang fights. In, in Gary, sur- Indiana? Gary, Indiana, yeah. And so um, this was his like anti-gang, anti-bullying, anti-violence uh, song. He was such a perfectionist with this song that they, they mixed the song 91 times, but they ended up using the, the second one they did. Yeah. Which had to be frustrating. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a theory on why that happened because I think you mix numbers three through 91, Michael Winslow was doing weird noises in the background <laughs> and they were like, Michael, stop it. I thought you left. Okay. I'm, I'm leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> I heard his motorcycle leave. He must be gone. 
<laughs> and he's just standing right there. But they won't turn around. They're just eyes on the mixing board. <laughs> We're going to do an overdub on, on Beat It. And they started. He's like, oh. <laughs> uh, the wolf again. There really wasn't even supposed to be scary until this guy put a wolf on it. Oh, uh, man. On the, on the 25th anniversary thriller, they had Vincent Price just talking. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me let me play just a bit of that for you. It's it's fantastic. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! <laughs> Why did they keep that? <laughs> the the other thing about this this song with it. It was his attempt at a rock song, talking about Vincent Price only getting paid $1,000 to do the voiceover on Thriller. Mm -hmm. But the story about Eddie Van Halen, the solo on this, is is great. What's that? Quincy Jones called Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. Eddie Van Halen hung up on him four times because he didn't (laughs) think it was really him. Now, where did you hear that? Because I heard that somewhere, but I want to hear where you heard that. A book written by the former manager of Van Halen. Okay. So then I believe it. Quincy Jones is so full of himself. Yeah. I tried to watch a documentary on him and I couldn't because it's just, he's all about himself. Mm-hmm. And in this, he said, you know, I called Eddie Van Halen and um, he hung up on me four times because he could not believe that it was me. Right. <laughs> and, right. And that's yeah. why I thought, yeah. I need another source. I need another source. Yeah. yeah. So he calls up Eddie Van Halen. They say they need a solo for the song with Michael Jackson. And, and Eddie said he would do it on two conditions. One, Michael Winslow. <laughs> Uh, was actually doing it, and he was just pretending to play. That's right. <laughs> that would be fantastic. He didn't want to be paid to do it. He wanted, He was paid with a case of beer, which is insane to <laughs> yeah. think about. And he didn't want credit in the album. Because at that time, the members of Van Halen had all agreed to not do outside projects. At this particular time, the other three members of Van Halen were out of town. What's funny to me about that story, though, is like, that's clearly Eddie Van Halen playing that solo. Right. Like the other members would go, you should sue that guy. Yeah. Because he sounds just like you. <laughs> uh, that's just Michael Winslow. He does a really good imitation <laughs> of me. So Beat It was the third single released one month after this next song. You have to listen to this album in headphones. I grew up listening to it like on a record player, but all of the percussive elements. Yeah. Michael Winslow does a mean shaker. <laughs> this is actually an acapella album. It's just Michael Winslow <laughs> and Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson, during the We Are the World recording, apparently went up to Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates uh-huh. and admitted to him that he essentially cribbed the bass line from I Can't Go For That. And that's, really? what, that's what inspired Billie Jean. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 
I know I, now that I know that, yeah. I can't hear Billie Jean and not want to start singing. I can't go for that. It does sound very much like that. So Billie Jean, of course, is when Michael Jackson on the Motown 25th anniversary is where he's performing and he's got the glove for the first time. Mm-hmm. And this is where he does the moonwalk and the world loses its mind. Went bonkers. Yeah. Whatever the next school day was, I mean, everyone was trying to do the moonwalk. I mean, oh, yeah. people were moonwalking down the halls at school. Right. That moment where he moonwalked and then went up on his toes is when he became larger than just a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Jackson said that Billie Jean, obviously, is not the name of one person, but he said there are a lot of Billie Jeans out there, a lot of groupies. One groupie in particular sent Michael Jackson a letter and claimed that he was the father of uh, one of her children. The problem was she said, Michael Jackson is the father of one of my twins. Ooh. <laughs> Which... I'm, I'm no doctor and or <laughs> biologist. Right. But... I'm not so sure that can happen. No. Why didn't they release this first? They released a second. Why? I don't know. It's crazy. Well, and if I'm remembering also, I'm thinking about the three major, major hits, Thriller, Beat It, and Billie Jean. Yeah. If memory serves me correctly, the Billie Jean video, it was just him dancing. Thriller, you've got the legion of zombies and Beat It. It's the gang members and they're... Dancing through diners, and it's very West Side Story. Yes. Billy Jean, I think it's just him and the light-up sidewalk. I thought the sidewalk lit up when he touched it, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that it was pre-programmed, and he had to dance to where the light was coming. Uh. That was one of the things that they talked about, his professionalism. They said, nobody works harder. Even the studio engineer said that you know he never had lyric sheets. If they made changes, he'd stay up at night and memorize it so he was always ready to go he was a the pros pro wow this is the video too that was so big and just this album in this time for michael jackson where you know that it was said that mtv wouldn't feature artists of color right because they thought r&b and soul won't sell it was all pop and rock and some punk but the really commercial punk Uh, but they said that this is where cbs records said you have to play this or you can't play any of our artists. And wow. so you kind of wonder about the systemic racism that existed in the music industry and especially with something like MTV because they're, they're going to be targeting a certain demographic mm-hmm. and they're thinking this isn't going to fit in that. To Michael Jackson's credit, he's famous and popular to everybody. Right. He commented that he didn't think Rolling Stone would ever put him on the cover. Yeah. And then it's kind of ironic to find out that Thriller was not the album of the year. That's a really good point. I'd always celebrated that as an R.E.M. Right. fan, but you kind of wonder, why wasn't this the number one? Right. That's, I mean, 66 million copies worldwide. Yeah. Eight Grammys. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Even for us as avid R.E.M. fans who have always celebrated that, I would go on the record by saying, I think that they messed up. Yeah. They missed the boat on this one. Yeah. If they say That's such an underrated song, even for an album like this. I always forget that it's on Thriller. Mm-hmm. I think because growing up, the tracks I heard were constantly Billie Jean, Beat It, and 
thriller or want to be starting something. I always mm-hmm. knew that was on there, but I always forget this one is, is so underrated. This one was written by the guys from Toto. Toto. Yeah. If I remember correctly, the, the song was almost undiscovered as they were coming up with songs for this album. Yeah. They apparently had sent Quincy Jones some ideas and it was at the end, just kind of a throwaway at the end and, mm-hmm. and they listened and that's when Quincy yeah. claims to have, you know, miraculously yeah. through his wonderful talents. Yeah. Come up with made those. it happen. Now, not to undersell Quincy Jones because no. he's Quincy Jones. Because he would never do that. <laughs> no, he won't let you. <laughs> the lyrics on some of these songs are really funny. Like where he says, "Reaching out to touch a stranger. See that girl? She knows I'm watching. She likes the way I stare." Hey, you can't do that today. No, you can't do that then. You just sang about it on Billy Jean. <laughs> right. Oh, it's okay for you. <laughs> right. You get to be Billy Jean to somebody. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you just touch me? I don't know you. I mean, it's just you. I'm just a human, human nature. Yeah. That's cool. You want me to be a daddy to one of your twins? <laughs> he didn't write it. So, Toto. Toto. All right. Next we got, here it comes, PYT. PYT. Michael Jackson knew that they were recording when he was talking just there. <laughs> That's debatable. Yeah. It's debatable. Was he talking to Bubbles? <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> You're such a PYM. Pretty young monkey. PYEMB. Pretty young elephant man bones. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> PYBC, Pretty Young Beatles catalog. Such a good song. PYT, he never performed this live. Never did it live, Why? which is ridiculous. So I mean, it seems like it'd be perfect opener or closer. PYT is either loved or hated, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of critics are just like shouldn't have been on the album, but it's so fun. It's so good. It's such a fun song. Yeah, I love the, that he explains what they stand for. Yeah, even in the title. So here, Michael's making his case, you know, to this woman, lettering her know that she's a PYT and that she needs some TLC. And then he gets his help from uh, his robot friend here. Which, is that a robot? <laughs> or is that Michael Winslow? <laughs> there he is. I don't know. Michael Jackson seems like the type of person that would actually have a robot <laughs> and actually bring it into the studio. <laughs> you know, the guys from Toto are like, we can recreate those sounds with yeah. the keyboards. I'd like to bring in Henry. <laughs> He's a robot butler. <laughs> He'd been watching the Jetsons and was like, I'd like one of those. <laughs> Closing it out. Oh, boy. How do you close an album like Thriller? Monster epic songs. Yeah, you've had seven top ten singles. At the end, you're going to close it with <laughs> The Lady in My Life. Uh, we don't even need to listen yeah, to this that's one. enough. There's a reason that we don't know it's on here. So if Michael Jackson was going to... Set your hair on fire. If you didn't remove one song from this album, what song would it be? First of all, we didn't even talk about the hair on fire. I mean, that's another cultural, just huge touchstone. Yeah. 
he was filming a commercial for Pepsi, right? Right. What happened? Was it electrical? Or? I think it was a some pyrotechnic spark or something. Yeah. That was a pretty big moment, though. And, and it was such a, a cultural conversation piece for so long. And yeah. It was a joke. And, you know, you talk about, like systemic racism and stuff but i mean i remember thinking and you know the jokes were always like oh man he's got he's got so much stuff in his hair of course it's going to catch on fire that's right i remember that too yeah Yeah. which you know as a kid it was just like we said things like that but now thinking about it's like oh that's that's actually pretty racist not good yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. there's been a lot that we're learning about those seemingly innocent things Mm -hmm. that we're confronting now Mm -hmm. um okay so like you said, Michael Jackson is threatening to set your hair on fire. Set my hair on fire, unless I remove a song from here. You may be surprised by this one, Matt, because as we've said, the non-singles "Baby Be Mine" and "Lady in My Life" are just kind of forgettable. Like, yeah. why are they on there? But for me, the song that doesn't fit on the album is uh, "Oh Boy, The Girl Is Mine." <sighs> At first, I was like, "This is easy. Lady in My Life shouldn't be on here." But as I listened, the tone of want to be starting something going into baby be mine. And then when it goes into the girl is mine, it just doesn't sound like the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the girl's mine is thriller, right? Right. Which yep. is what? Right. Yeah. And it's got that terrible rap on it. Even if the lady in my life isn't a monster song, it still fits tonally and thematically, but the girl's mine just feels like it should have been on a Jackson five album. Mm. I I mean, I, I'll disagree with you on that. To me, I always look at it, and I think you did this as well, but if you removed a, the song, would the album still be intact? And to me, The Lady in My Life, if you remove that song and you end Thriller with PYT, that's a complete album. Yeah. Not that this is not one of the greatest albums of all time, which is why we're talking about it, but I think you removed The Lady in My Life and you've got eight, well, Seven and a half incredibly strong songs. Yeah. The thing about The Girl Is Mine is it's sappy and it's saccharine and it's got that horrible rap at the end. Yeah. But it's it's memorable. It's poppy. People remember that song too. Yeah. I do like to think of this album ending with PYT. That is a, yeah. a nice thought. All right. Any final thoughts on Thriller? You know, it's hard to talk about, uh, you know, Michael Jackson album and separate the art from the person and uh, certainly the the years following thriller were up and down and and there were some interesting moments with michael jackson but i I think i think just for uh, of its time of of you know of of what this album did for pop music you know many people have claimed that it saved the record industry wow um or and by many people i mean me um but uh but for for how how massive a hit this album and and the the this this probably gave mtv like the jump start it needed to yeah. to last to become the 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 behemoth it is or, or was at it least was. to make people care about music videos yeah again to make you know, music you must see tv it's hard to quantify the impact of this album. This was a fun album to revisit from childhood, but also to dig into as an adult music fan and hear things I hadn't heard before, uh, such as Robots and Michael Winslow and the percussive elements and that awful key change on Baby Be Mine. Yeah. But still, what a fun album. What an incredible album. I will fully admit that my musical tastes generally don't 
dip into a whole lot of R&B and, and dance. And that's to me why this album is so important. It's because you had seven, eight-year-old white kids in eastern North Carolina trying to moonwalk and doing the thriller dance and, yeah. and just all the everything that went ar- around that. And it just shows how he became such a, a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening to Finest Work Songs. Be sure to send us an email at finestworksongs at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about Thriller or uh, any of our previous episodes of, with All Back for the People or Simon's Dream. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Finest Work Songs. Let us know what albums you'd like for us to discuss. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell us what we got right. In the meantime, we'll be working on another album. And until next time, like Bobby Brown, we hope you keep pumping around. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>